of the nightcap here on VSIN live from the Circus Sportsbook. That's Dan Leach from 971, the ticket fame. Oh, yes. As I Big learned, fame. as I learned, you know, as we get into the minutiae of, uh, of local radio, that station has all four. You're the flagship of all four sports teams? Only <laughs> station in the country. That's so, wild. It's a little claim to fame. So if you're in Detroit and you need, you're like, I wonder what channel the Pistons are on or the Tigers are on. Just go to that same channel. When in doubt, uh, go there. So uh, we'll be hanging out for the next four nights. He'll be on Beast in the next six nights. We're working them. You come out here, putting you to work. So uh, Dan Leach, uh, we will be uh, chatting with him. Eric Edholm. Uh, he'll be joining us in just a little bit. We'll get his thoughts on the NFL draft, who enhanced themselves right off the top. And apparently Aaron Oster just uh, said there's a rumor out there. And we're going to start. This is this is the season. The schedule leaks are Ooh. starting. You're going to get them all day tomorrow. And we'll have the full schedule tomorrow when we hit the air. Do you like that, by the way, though? Like when they leak draft picks? They leaked, I mean, I, wanted, I don't know if I want it leaked. Uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. We were doing the draft show. And more specifically on Tuesday, because the le- or sorry Tuesday Friday the leaks were were out of control yeah. on the second and third round. And uh, Aaron, you know our producer back there, is is doing his thing on Twitter. He's like, "This person got drafted." I'm like, oh, "Okay." And I look, I'm like, "That's like three picks away." Wait, come on, man. Yeah. Where's the suspense? Uh, but it was funny. I was I I, I did a Zoom with a couple buddies of mine, and my feed was faster than theirs. <laughs> and my biggest bet of the draft. And actually, went, my buddy went in on it, too, was Jalen Waddle to be selected ahead of Devontae Smith. Yep. So when Miami selected him, I just jumped up, and it hadn't happened yet. He's like, oh, I, I guess Devontae Smith got drafted. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was, uh, yeah, it's, it's I, to answer your question, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I mean. No, it just kind of ruins it. Yeah. It's good if you want to, like, try to jump on and bet a line early or something if they don't take yeah. it off the board. If it works. Yeah, if it works, it's great. Exploit the system. But, no, nah, it's, 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 it, these days it's, it's out of control sometimes, especially with the draft. Uh, quick update on Lakers and Knicks. we got a media timeout. 7-16 to go in the second quarter. And it is all tied up at 37. Julius Randle, I think, had the first six points of the game for the Knicks, Dan. He has six points right now. So looking at the prop market, uh, if you played over Julius Randle, not off to a, a, an ideal start. If you are if you took Julius Randle, Derek Rose. Yeah, D. Rose, every Rose has its thorn. Ten points off the bench. And uh, and Frankie, Frankie uh, off the bench, Frankie Nilakina, six points there uh, for the Knicks. 37-37. Anthony Davis, eight points. We're at 42 against the Suns. On Sunday night. Uh, so the Lakers and the Knicks. Identical records. Oddly enough, the Knicks are trying to get the four seed in the East. And the Lakers are trying to get out of the play-in game. That's just uh, where we are in the different conferences. It's crazy. Uh, but 37 all. The Lakers went off as a, I believe, three. There might have been two and a halfs out there. Actually, no. It went off pretty much consensus. Two and a half. Lakers, you got it at three and a half. The Knicks, I took the Knicks at three. We'll see if it ultimately plays out. Talked about uh, the the uh, how well they've played as a road dog in the first half. 18-6-1. Incredible. And they are getting one and a half are the Knicks in the first half. Speaking of half, we are at the half. Phoenix and Golden State. And the Suns head into the locker room with a 66-58 lead over the Phoenix Suns, uh, over the Golden State Warriors. So a little bit of run here, Dan. Uh, by the Warriors. Good close of the half. They were down big and uh, end up whittling it away. Trail by eight going into the line. Yeah, how about Jay Crowder with 17? Wiggins playing uh, nice with 19 points, five boards and a dime. 
that's uh you know and I mentioned that Suns team I, I just love what they've got uh, and this would be a big win for them on the road trying to get that one seat if they can find a way to do it. Uh, but the Warriors, not, they're not going to go down lightly. Not with Steph Curry shooting threes. Well, and Steph Curry, you know, last night went, I think he was finished 3 of 13 from 3, but hit the big one to give yep. them the to give them the lead. Right now, Steph Curry, he might be uh, he might be running a little empty. Over. Four points at the half. So if you played over 35 and a half, not ideal. Over no, 5 downtown. But like Dan mentioned, Andrew Wiggins is trying to carry the weight there. He has 21 points, keeping it close. So you're only down 8. If you're the Warriors, and Steph Curry has played very poorly, uh, so that is not a terrible spot to be in. Let's talk, uh, let's talk a little NFL draft. Who helped themselves out the most? Eric Edholm, right now. It is the nightcap here on VSIN, hour number two from the Circus Sportsbook. That is Dan Leach. I am Tim Murray, at one Tim Murray, at Dan Leach971 on Twitter. And you can follow our next guest at Eric underscore Edholm. He does fine work covering the NFL draft and all things NFL for Yahoo Sports. And he joins us right now from the Windy City. And Eric, before we dive into just your thoughts and, and reactions of the NFL draft, we were just talking about a last segment about the NFC North and the and the mindset, the thought in Chicago. I, I got to imagine all those stations, all those newspapers, the people you run into in the supermarket, Eric, are saying... Justin Fields got to be the starter. We don't need Andy Dalton. Put number one out there. Forget. I mean, it's got to be like ninety-seven to three percent with Justin Fields. People wanting him to be the the week one starter. Yeah, I think there's a lot of sentiment in that direction. There's always going to be that little faction, especially in Chicago. It's a very sort of blue collar, old school, you know, run the football type of town. Defense wins championships. I mean, I could see there being some, you know. Some, some veteran Bears fans who are like, well, let's let's have Dalton run out there and see what he can do. No, okay. We, <laughs> we know what this means, right? Let, let's let's get back to reality. Now, here's the thing. If Justin Fields doesn't outplay Andy Dalton in, in training camp and preseason, we have a different discussion. You know, wait, okay, how long are we waiting for this? If he has a rough camp, okay, we have to recalibrate a little bit. But the way it looks right now and the hope that he's brought this city – First of all, this is why when people ask, like, why do you like the draft? I'm like, well, this is what it can do for a team, right? You have the Bears came in with so little excitement, so little hope that something like this could happen. And then it happens, and you go, boom, wow, instant game changer, right? That's the feeling, I think, even if it's, you know, still a flawed team, in my opinion. Well, when you, when you look at the Bears and what they did in the draft, and man, you. you... Talk to Bears fans, and uh, we have one that joins the show. I think you know America. Brad Evans, he lost his mind yeah. uh, when Justin Fields yep. got selected there. They trade up to go get him. Uh, and then they get Tevin Jenkins in the second round, a guy that had some real first-round buzz. Uh, I know they had to you know, move up in order to get both of those players, uh, but that allowed Leno to get released. What did you make of the Bears draft? Both in the immediate future, as in you know the 2021 season, and then long term for this franchise. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing Brad Evans pouring himself in on Yeho. Oh yeah, you know neat during for the first the Fields pick, and then the Tevin Jenkins pick the next night. Let's run it back, you know, like that. <laughs> it, it almost felt like a, like wow, another you know 
wow, pennies from heaven. You know, I mean, this is this is really another unexpected kind of. Now, granted, they had to move up. You know, this is Ryan Pace's sort of signature move. I mean, criticize him all you want. His record's been spotty to this point. He's been very aggressive at targeting players in the draft that he likes, and he clearly saw the opportunity with Fields. He knew that Jenkins came with some medical risk with the hip, but that this is a first-round talent all day long. And frankly, I think if they were stuck at 20, I think they might have taken them there. That's just a gut feeling I have. So, you know, that's something to consider. You basically got two first-round picks, so giving up next year's number one doesn't hurt so much, does it? You know, I think if both these guys play to the level that the Bears think they can, they will have hit, hit two home runs right there. And, you know, Larry Borum, they're, you know, even talking about the idea of fifth-round pick possibly being in the starting mix. Khalil Herbert gives him some Tariq Cohen insurance. And, you know, I mean, Daz Newsom, uh, who's the other, uh, uh, Thomas Graham, they got it from Oregon. You know, uh, Tonga, the big D tackle from BYU. They were all kind of smart, sensible, late picks that I think could help this team. Eric, I wanted to ask you about another quarterback. I mean, obviously, you know, the Bears fans are later that Justin Fields is going there, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the Niners and Trey Lance. I mean, I loved I, – I, he played one game in the last year or so, but, you know, yeah. they, they, they spent a lot to get, you know, a guy in Trey Lance that does have question marks. I think he could be, a, a, you know, a transcendent-type player, but there are so many, you know, different things out there as far as knowing what he's going to be. Do you think that they yeah. gave up too much to get Trey Lance? Yes, but – you know, obviously the answer to that is if Trey Lance becomes the player you just described, it won't matter. You know, at that point it won't matter. But right now on paper, yes, because when I had conversations with teams leading up to the draft saying, hey, are you guys moving up? Is somebody moving back? You know, just trying to get the, the trade wins, you know, a feel for what kind of movement there might be. And everybody said the same thing. You know, San Francisco screwed us because they paid, you know, way over market price. They paid a luxury tax to move up. That was what kind of slowed some of the big deals from happening outside of the Bears trade. So, you know, that was that was interesting to hear. And you're right. I mean, if I, I liked Trey Lance a lot when I watched him, but I was like, you know, getting the first three chapters of a really good book. Right. I still want to see how it ends. I have no idea where it's going to go. He's 20 years old. You know, he's 17 FCS games. He's, you know, uh, he just hasn't dropped back and thrown the ball a lot. So. How Kyle Shanahan manages this is going to be fascinating. I can't wait to see what they do because they have a great roster there. We're chatting with Eric Edholm, who does a fine job covering the NFL draft for uh, Yahoo Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. One of the teams that was involved in that three-team deal that allowed San Francisco to get up to three was Miami. And Miami originally had the third pick from Houston. And uh, they ended up with four picks in the top 42 uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm falling into a trap here because I, I love this Miami Dolphins team right now. Not to win the Super Bowl, Eric, but I just you, when you keep bringing in this much talent, it's it's going to work out. Uh, a lot of it obviously relies on uh, the maturation of Tua, but you bring in Jalen Waddle, you pair him with Will Fuller and Devontae Parker. Liam Eikenberg likely starts right away uh, at, at left tackle, or excuse me, at right tackle, I beg your pardon, uh, with Robert Hunt most likely uh, sound like kicking into guard uh, with them trading away Eric Flowers. They get Jalen Phillips. Uh, they also get uh, Javon Holland as well, who opted out this past year at Oregon. So what did you make of what the Dolphins did in the draft? And, and do you think this is a team that, you know, they look, they just missed out on the playoffs last year at 10-6. Um, do you think this is a team that, that could be a playoff team this year? 
Yeah, really, really interesting team, really interesting draft, I thought, too, because, <clears throat> you know, last year with the all the pick ammo, everybody thought, wow, there's going to be some movement. They're going to, you know, they, they really kind of just sat back 2020 and just sort of picked guys, higher floor guys in some cases, a little bit of a conservative approach. You know, I didn't hate their draft last year, but, I, you know, it was one of those, Okay, you know, every pick felt like a B minus or C plus to me. It was just not, it was a little bit uninspiring, but this year had some risk to it. I mean, Jalen Waddle, obviously the injury, I guess he's going to be fine, of course, but Jalen Phillips, you know, comes with a lot of questions, but immense talent. I mean, he is exciting to watch. Um, you know, Holland, I think the pick would have been Javante Williams had uh, Denver not leapfrogged him. I think that was their guy. Mm. That's, Got hurt a little, but you know, and they didn't draft it back until the seventh round, Jared Dokes. But, but still, I mean, Holland really was a guy that I was pretty high on. I had him going right around that same part of the draft, and you know, he's a safety with some nickel potential there. I mean, Brian Flores is adding some some pieces. This defense is, is looking nice, and they've got those playmakers you mentioned. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you know we we need to start the clock on Tua being a bust or not, right? But pretty soon he's not going to have a whole lot of excuses if he does struggle because this roster is immensely better than it was, you know, the pre-Laramie Tunsil trade or whatever. Well, and Eric, the Dolphins are a great example of what I think a team that, you know, that I was born and raised to love the Lions need to do is is find a way to build – you know, around the lines and, 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 you know, make smart draft picks. And I, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, what Brad Holmes and this team that obviously moved on from Stafford, traded him to the Rams, brings in Jared Goff, you know, have, I, I think no receivers to speak of that have any, any NFL experience, it seems like. But you look at what they got with Penny Sewell and Wazurke uh, from Washington, the DT, guys that like to bite kneecaps. Uh, you know, Tim brought up Amon Ross St. Brown from uh, – from USC, they got McNeil, the the heavy hitter from the DT from NC State. I, I I mean, every year the Lions Super Bowl is the draft, so it seems like it's better than than not for Lions <laughs> fans. But well, I think this was a pretty darn good draft by Brad Holmes in his first time running a team. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, Brad's been waiting for this opportunity from the minute he stepped into the NFL in 2004. You know, and I and I love his story. It's funny. He's, he's rarity in the sense that he's a he's a one team guy. You know, he's, he's right. he scouts jumping from team to team and everything. He was. Uh, a Rams lifer for a bit there. It was 16 year span there. And, you know, really got to see how Les Snead operated, you know, did a great job collecting talent that got them to a Super Bowl there. And he comes to Detroit. This is the draft is his baby. And I mean, strikes and spares all, all night, all weekend. You know, I thought they really did a good job. I'm, I don't think Penny Sewell is quite the generational tackle talent of all time. He's really talented, and he's still not 21 years old. And there's a lot to be excited about. He'll be fine at right tackle. He played there in high school. So, you know, yeah, Anzarike, you know, I, I, I really thought if he played this year, he would have been a first-round pick. I mean, he would have been, you know, going in that 20 to 25 range or whatever. And, it, you know, he went down in the Senior Bowl and, and looked spry and everything. So there were, there were no questions about him. But, you know, some guys got a little bit, been hurt by that. I think he's a really interesting player. Played out of position in college a little bit too. That'll help him. Aline McNeil, you mentioned too. I mean, you know, up and down the list, they really did. You know, if Ayati Melifon was to get that kind of a talent, a long corner, I was shocked he went as late as it did. No one's really sort of talking about that one. And again, it forced to pick my least favorite of their choices. I would have a hard time picking one of their picks that I didn't like a little bit. You know what I mean? It was yeah. it was just a really nice 
hall of talent overall. I thought it's a rarity for that team, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, we're chatting. So we're chatting with Eric Edholm, and, and Eric, I'm curious because so many of your brethren uh, pick this team as as their favorite draft. I'm curious if you're there as well. You mentioned Panay Sewell going to Detroit. Well, this team, we everybody, everybody knew they needed an offensive lineman, but to their credit, they just sat back, put their feet up, and said, we'll get Rashawn Slater. He's going to fall to us, and he did. <laughs> he drops right into their hands yep. like they had planned it out to a T, so the Chargers don't trade any draft capital. They get a tremendous talent there in Rashawn Slater, who's a plug-and-play tackle right away for the Chargers. And then they get Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round. He was a late riser. It seemed like he was going to be a guy that maybe some people wanted in the first round. I like Chris Rumpf, the edge rusher coming out of Duke. Uh, Dan Helley, yep. who we had in, is a volunteer, so he obviously loved Josh Palmer. So how high were you uh, on the Chargers draft day? Yeah, I really liked it. And over the years, I mean, I low-key think Tom Telesco is one of the better drafters out there. I know their record doesn't always suggest that this is the, you know, the most talented team. But as we know, they've led the league in injuries every single year. You know, they've, they've cycled through coaches. And, you know, I mean, it's been one thing after another. So uh, talent has not been the issue in, in San Diego slash L.A. So, yeah, I, I love their first three picks especially. I mean, I thought Slater was a great choice there. I love that they're playing him a tackle. At least give him a shot to prove that he can do it because he did it in college. He, he faced Chase Young. You know, he saw EJ Epineza and whoever else. Let's see if he can handle these guys in the NFL. If he can't, he'll make a great guard. But try him a tackle first. I'm glad they're doing that. And it sounds like I could be wrong, but Asante Samuel, they're going to at least see if he can play outside too, which I like as well. You know, you, sometimes we worry too much about, well, he doesn't have the right arm length or, oh, he's, you know, he's eight pounds less than we like at a guy. I mean, okay. Can they play? Are they are they successful at doing it? Is there not much projection going on other than the height or weight or length? Playing where they're good at, you know that's that's my philosophy. So, Palmer, really underrated player, bad QB playing college. He's going to be, you know, he just went, he fell thirty floors up, you know, with Justin Herbert. So, I think it's a great spot. He can win the number three job. Didn't love the trade McKinney pick, but I understand why they did it. He's a talented kid. Every other choice seemed really smart to me, though. Before we let you run, Eric, we got about two minutes. Uh, drafts that you didn't like, that just that didn't make sense. I, I'm curious your thoughts of, we sit here in Las Vegas, curious your thoughts of, of, of their decision to go with Alex Leatherwood in the first round. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think, I think he would have gone in the next six to nine picks, somewhere in that range, had they not taken him. I know at least one team that would have considered them if they were on the clock. I mean, they've told me that they told me it before the draft. They told me it after the draft. So, you know, if we, if we look at it through that prism of there's probably at least one, maybe two teams in the back end around one that would have taken them. It wasn't as colossal a reach as some people want to make it out to be. Now, did I think he was worth the 17th pick in the draft? Not really. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be a great tackle. We'll see. Maybe he can be a, a good guard. He's the one guy where I'm like, you know, I get the projection inside because it has nothing to do with his size or athleticism. It has to do with his, his leverage and his play style, I think. So, you know, let's see. Can he get it done at right tackle? That's going to be, if, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it, you know. But um, I liked about every, one, every other one of their picks. Like, Divine Diablo, I think, is a really good player. I think he's going to be a, an interesting fit there. Javon Merrick, great pick. Yep. You know, I didn't. 
you know, Malcolm Kuntz in round three that, you know, you told me he was going to be a top, what, 75 pick or whatever he went before the draft, I would have been stunned. So yeah. that one was a little weird. It just, it kind of felt like a ping pong. Like I liked some, I didn't love the others. Well, we always love your analysis, Eric. Uh, I know it's been, <laughs> it's been a busy time for you. We appreciate you uh, staying up late with us, man. Appreciate it. No worries. Have a good night, you guys. See ya. There he is. Eric Edholm covers the NFL draft. Does such a fine job for Yahoo Sports. Follow Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. And guy knows the stuff. I, I always Jeez. have a, I always have a tricky time though crushing teams on drafts because we just don't know. You know the best draft ever. Oh, they hit out. They hit it out of the park. It takes two, three years sometimes. Yeah, we 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 could. And, and with the some fans just saying, oh, this this quarterback's going to be a slam dunk. We don't know. Every year, we are it, we are surprised. So that's the fun of it. That is that is the fun of it. Did the New York Knicks continue this ridiculous run of covering the first half? Lakers Knicks at the half. We'll tell you what happened in the first 24 minutes. Next, right here on the Nightcap. We keep it rolling here on the Nightcap live from the Circus Sportsbook. Dan Leach, Tim Murray, with you, and a couple games on the West Coast going on. The Knicks go on a little bit of a run there to close out the half. I like it. And we neither one of us bet the first half. But if you did bet the Knicks first half, it comes home. Didn't feel like it was going to happen. It was 55-52 uh, with about 57 seconds to go. And then you got a couple of buckets, a couple of misses. And the Knicks go into the locker room up 56-55 over the Los Angeles Lakers. We bet the game. Why don't we take the first half? I feel like it's a missed opportunity, but how about Derrick Rose? 16, 3, and 4 dimes. Uh, Kuzma with 18 and 2. But uh, like I said, the Knicks were my play of the day. I, I just really like this team. I like what they're doing. And, you know, no LeBron, so it's not like they're being, sure. you know, the best well, player. led the best. into the reason why we bet it. Right, but I, I just thought there was tremendous value, and I just the Knicks are such a good road play these days, and I think they're going to pull this one through. Well, once again, this is this is one of my uh, my moves, you know, like Frank Costanza. You stop short. <laughs> I, I look back, and I look at the board, and I say, okay, I, you know, that, that, that's part of the, to prove that this is real uh, back here. Uh, I just wanted to say, it's my first time here, and it's an honor to work with you, my friend. But I'll tell you this. I've worked in a lot of places, done remotes like you have in, in beautiful settings, Rose Bowls, Final Fours, World Series. This is one of the great settings I could ever imagine. Yeah, just, it, it's awesome. It's, Biggest sports book in the world. It's not too shabby. But what, the reason I look back, Lakers are a two-point second-half favorite. So, meaning they're now a one-point favorite for the game. Which is good for us because we you took three and a half, I took three. So take right that now, minus one right now. We've got it. Uh, we've got it there. Uh, and the second half total is one hundred three. So if you played over at two ten and a half here at circa, first half went one eleven. Second half totals one hundred three. That would lead it to uh, two fourteen. So not in great shape. Not in terrible shape, uh, but not in great shape. Uh, if you took the uh, took the under here tonight with the Knicks and Lakers, but uh, mentioned the uh, the Knicks and this trend as a road dog in the first half this year. Now nineteen six and one. That's absurd. ATS for the Knicks. That's got to be the best in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, they and the are, Knicks are a team that well, never have done those kind of things. And the before. Knicks are the best as of coming into today, the top cover team in the in the league. Uh, they have been unbelievable against the number. Uh, they've been ten and four ATS as a dog since April. They've been twenty. They're twenty two and thirteen as a dog uh, 
uh, it just ATS outright on the road this year. They, they've been great. They've been money-making machines this year. It's the Thibodeau effect. He did the same. They had, I, don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the Bulls had very – they were really good on the road too. And I, I think that that's – it's one of those things where – you know, you got the right coach, you got the right pieces. It doesn't matter where. I mean, this different year because there's not full home crowds. Sure, but it's still something. It's still stressful to travel during COVID. So, I kudos to the Knicks. I, I, they're a team that I think is going to be fascinating to him to watch during the playoffs. And can they finally get off that multi five decade schneid and finally get something done? Well, and then uh, on the the other game of importance going on. No offense to Sacramento, Oklahoma City. How uh, dare you! Uh, but Golden State and the Suns, and so much intrigue about this game on, on multiple levels, right? The Suns still have a chance to get the number one seed. Uh, they lead 76-69 right now uh, against the uh, Golden State Warriors on the road. The Warriors just beat the Jazz yesterday. But the Memphis Grizzlies won earlier today. They throttled the Dallas Mavericks, 133-104, to uh, which leads to the potential of maybe Portland getting up to the five, uh, to the five seed. But more importantly... We are destined for this 8-9 showdown. Winner gets the 8 seed, loser gets the 9 seed, and how important that is with this play-in situation this year, Dan, because right now, with the win today for Memphis, Golden State and Memphis have identical records. They're both 36 and 33. Yep. It really doesn't matter what Golden State does today, but they're trending uh, looking like they're going to lose. For Memphis here, they have two more games before... Uh, the start of uh, before Sunday, which is going to be Memphis and Golden State. It's going to come down to the winner of that game because they've split the season series. The winner will get the tiebreaker. It's going to come down to ultimately, Dan, the winner of that game is going to get the eight seed. The loser will get the nine seed. And we talked about it last night. It bears repeating. The difference between the eight and nine seed is massive. Massive. Because now changing. you obviously get the home game if you lose, but you are you get a crack at getting in the playoffs. If you lose that game, okay, we bounce back. We get a home game against a team that just had to win their other play-in game. So come Sunday, Memphis and Golden State is really trending in the winner gets the eight, the loser gets the the nine, and that's going to be going to be fun uh, fun theater on Sunday. I love it. It's a, this unique situation with the play-in. I know some people are are, are anti-play-in. I love it. I, I do too. Love and, it. Uh, uh, Adam Silver, as long as the Lakers don't get bounced. Absolutely loves it. <laughs> it's so bad. The, the ratings are going to be huge, but if they get bounced without going into the, the, the field, yeah, he's not going to like it uh, very much. Talk some baseball on the other side. It is the nightcap here on Visa. VEASAN.com is the latest lines and odds for every game on the board tonight. Track the line movements with live charts. Get estimated scores for every matchup and all the betting information you need to stay on top of the action. You can also use our parlay calculator to figure out payouts and get all our betting 101 info, including definitions of the betting terms we use here on the Sports Betting Network. So start your days sports betting research for free at VEASAN.com. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN and the Lakers' Knicks half, second half, just underway, Dan. 56 all, just 10 seconds into uh, that one is the Lakers, a two-point second half favorite. Phoenix with an 82-75 lead, that one in the third quarter. And if you're wondering, yes, 
Oklahoma City is losing yet again. Everyone's wondering. Uh, yeah, I know. Everyone needs to know the Thunder on uh, Tank Watch. Well, people have Ken Rich Williams, you know, pro player props. He's got 15, so there you go. <laughs> um, I, I want to hit on something real quickly before we uh, jump into some interesting news regarding the, the A's oh, and some yeah. hypothetical odds out there, which got people in town pretty excited. But I mentioned that Memphis earlier today Smash Dallas, 133-104. to They were a three-and-a-half-point home dog to Dallas uh, here at Circa. And that was important for Memphis, obviously, as they are trying to get the eighth seed. And, and, and we just talked about what, why that's so important. But what I think people fail to realize is Dallas now drops to the sixth seed because of that loss. Portland owns the tiebreaker over Dallas. They beat them two out of three times this year. So they're both 40-29. and 29. And the Portland Trailblazers, Dan, are surging right now. Uh, they have won four straight, eight of nine. Uh, they just beat the Houston Rockets last night, putting up 140 on the Rockets. The tricky part about the Portland Trailblazers and why I still don't believe they'll ultimately grab the, si the five seed is Portland's uh, schedule remaining is, is the hardest schedule in the league. You are, uh, you take on Utah, Phoenix, both on the road, then Denver, and Dallas lost tonight to Memphis, but gets New Orleans without Zion, Toronto, who's all in on tanking, and then Minnesota to close out the year, who's actually playing decent. But if you're Dallas, yes, you got your butts whipped tonight, but you still are in pretty good shape to grab the five spot. Uh, in the Western Conference. Well, and two things. One, on the Portland, that schedule, all those games matter to those other teams. Those are all like yep. just insanely intense games, and that's a lot to ask for with your Final Four when you're fighting for playoff seating. But but back to Dallas for a minute. What an enigma of a team. I know they've had their issues with injuries with Porzingis and, and Doncic at times, but they should be better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, John Morant went off tonight. I only had 24 or so. Uh, in the win, and, and that's what Memphis should do. They should win those kind of games at home. But Dallas is a team that earlier in the year I thought could make a run. I mean, I, I'm not picking up to win the championship. Well, Luka was the massive he, favorite to win MVP. He was insane, and he's still obviously an incredible player. But as a unit, they're just not that kind of – they're not good. And I think they're going to get bounced in the first round. Yeah, I mean, if they get Denver um... – you know, the, the the worry about Denver, now Jokic is, is going to be the league's MVP. But, and, and they've played really well without Jamal Murray. I, I just worry. It's a tall, huge, huge loss. Without Jamal Murray, and thinking about what he did right. in the playoffs last year. He did everything. I mean, he was out of this world uh, in the first round. And without him to be off of Jokic. Now, Michael Porter Jr. is emerging, yes. right? And he is really he's a, taking He's a great value guy. And, and you do wonder, and it sucks for you know, obviously it sucks for Jamal Murray, who might, you know, ultimately with torn ACL, I mean, he's going to miss a good chunk of next year. It's just it's tough to come back from. Really unfortunate. But that was one of those teams. We've been wondering, all right, who's going to win the Western Conference? The Lakers are still the favorites. You know, the Clippers are talented, but we all have our worries. They they lost to Denver last year, uh, blew a 3-1 lead. Yep. If Denver doesn't lose Jamal Murray... I think they have a real case to win the Western Conference. I'm 100% with you. And listen, the Joker, as you mentioned, the MVP, he's, he's ridiculous. And he is the kind of guy that can take over. He's such a metric, you know, positive guy that he can have the triple doubles that, you know, guys like Russell Westbrook have. And he's, he's such a factor for them. But another team we've talked about tonight, don't, don't sleep on the Phoenix Suns. Because you got you got a, a team in Phoenix that, you know, could be the one seed. I know we haven't even brought up Utah. 
But Phoenix has got that kind of triumvirate with, with Booker and, and the way that they're able to play. They're a team with the Lakers not being what we thought they could have been and maybe still could be if they're fully healthy. That Phoenix team is very interesting to me. Yeah, and I, I mean, they deserve a lot of credit, and I think Chris Paul should be a first-team All-NBAer. I think he probably will be. I think Monty Williams, even though you look at Quinn Snyder at Utah, you look at what Thibodeau has done in, in New York, my opinion, if I voted, which of course I don't, I would vote Monty Williams to be coach of the year. Oh, he's been incredible. Um, but I, I just think they're going to get a terrible draw. If it's the Lakers here, man, that is just horrific. But in this year, that t- the terrible draws, it could be reversed. We could think that they're terrible draws, but they end up being the better draw because it's such a wacky year. True, but you know, if you're Phoenix and you haven't been to the NBA playoffs in over a decade, you're like, yeah. really? We get Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Awesome. They're this, overrated. This is great. They're just the champs. Um, well, as you, you mentioned we haven't talked much about the uh, the Utah Jazz. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Ben Dossett is going to join us in five minutes. But uh, I do want to bring up a little bit of news. And I know this, is, this has been brought up about the A's relocating year after year after year. But there are hypothetical odds out there from our friends at DraftKings about where the A's could ultimately go, and I love it. Would you look at that? They're not going to Vancouver, by the way. La, but Vancouver, quick pub for Vancouver tourism. Maybe my favorite city. Oh, it's a great I've ever city. To. I the love A's it. aren't moving to Vancouver. No, they're not going to Vancouver. Um, Nashville. I, you know, you've heard about them for a while. Portland. I, I guess they've had a push here for. Professional, professional baseball. Easy for me to say. I know they've got the Timbers, AAA baseball. It makes all the sense in the world that Las Vegas could s- s- snag another Oakland team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, they, and look at the success. And I know Patrick Everson, our good friend from Covers.com, really has questions about the sustainability of a 81-game schedule in an arena or in a stadium that would really not be multi-purpose. You look at Allegiant Stadium, multi-purpose, T-Mobile. I mean, everything is there. UFC, concerts. I mean, that place is, is rocking once things are normal, like, nine months a year. So there's question about that. But, I mean, if Oakland leaves, it, it feels like Vegas is going to be the spot. I think it is. And, and listen, you mentioned stealing all the Oakland teams. I know my Raider fans are uh, are, are really upset about it. Uh, but they're, you know, they're happy here in, in, in Vegas about that. I, I just think you look at, at baseball in this town, hockey has worked, football obviously is going to work. And, you know, it's not that far from that fan base that would bring some people in. And you've been playing doors, as you mentioned. I mean, oh, it's yeah. 81 years. You know, they're playing outside, you know, a tractable roof. Uh, but I think that, yeah, one, I, the, my, the Mexico thing is interesting. Baseball loves international. 25 to 1? Throw a couple pennies on that. <laughs> Once again, these are hypothetical. But oh, if, hypothetical. If they were out there, eh, eh, you never know. Uh, the Utah Jazz. When's Donovan Mitchell going to return? Can they make a deep run? We'll talk to Ben Dossett next about those Jazz here on the Nightcap. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN, and the Knicks have gone over three and a half minutes without a field goal. That's not ideal. Not ideal at all. 65-62, the Lakers with a three-point lead, seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Golden State sticking around, down five. That number went off four and a half. Phoenix laying the four and a half against the Golden State Warriors. And uh, there you go. Sacramento's now up 18 on Oklahoma City. The Sacto watch. Yeah. Oklahoma. People are hanging on it. Oklahoma City is just some sort of awful. This tank job has been absolutely spectacular. Um, a team that's not tanking and a team that is having a hell of a season are the Utah Jazz. And to talk more about the Jazz and the 
potential for the Jazz to do something they've never done. They've been there before, but never won a title. Uh, we bring in Ben Dossett, uh, at Ben underscore D-O-W-S-E-T-T. And Ben, I want to start with the, the health of Donovan Mitchell. Where do we stand, and is this going to be something that, that lingers into the postseason? Uh, so where we stand for now is that the Jazz announced earlier today that Donovan had been reevaluated ahead of the playoffs and that he will not play in any of the Jazz's three remaining regular season games. Uh, as we know, the Jazz are going to have a significant layoff between the end of their regular season and when they actually start playing due in the playoffs due to the play-ins, which they'll have to wait for, whether they're the one or the two seed. Um, and the Jazz, you know, if you're reading between the lines a little in terms of what's been said publicly by the Jazz, Quinn Snyder referred specifically to that rest period and to kind of the synergy the Jazz have as a group as far as not being too concerned about Donovan. The Jazz as a team and as a franchise, I should say, are definitely projecting an air of not being too concerned. By the way, we should also mention that Mike Conley has been injured for a significant, I believe he's now missed seven or eight straight games with a hamstring, uh, a re-aggravated hamstring injury from earlier in the year. That's not great either. We haven't heard a whole lot of word on that one at this point either. One certainly hopes, and again, there's a lot of confidence being projected here. There's not a lot of major concern being projected by anyone. So we got to go with that for now. The Jazz have said all along that they'll be uber cautious to the, to the extreme as far as making sure their guys are healthy getting into the playoffs and not risking them at all. We have to, for now, take them at their word and hope and assume that that's all that's happening and that there won't be anything lingering for either Mitchell or Conley. Yeah, and Ben, Tim mentioned, you know, the Jazz have been there before. Obviously, the Malone Stockton days, the fact they haven't won a title is, is crazy. I mean, they've had so many good teams, especially under Jerry Sloan. But I want to talk to you about Donovan Mitchell, and obviously the, the health that was standing, averaging almost 27 a game, a great player efficiency rating of 21+. Plus, and, and just what he, you know, this is the kind of team and the kind of player that seems like they could win a title. Well, what does Donovan Mitchell do for this team? What does he mean to this team? And is, is he playing good enough, if healthy, that, that he can lead them to a championship? I think the answer is absolutely yes in terms of can he lead them to the championship. Of course, will he is a different question. There are a whole bunch of teams that could win the championship this year. The NBA is wide open, and it's, it's just a fantastic year, to be honest. As far as Donovan goes, yes, first of all, he was playing fantastic right when he went down, which is too bad. He was having the best stretch of his career, the best prolonged stretch of his career, I should say. Like Everybody has a few games here or there where you're shooting hot or something like that. From the All-Star break, or even slightly before the All-Star break, through when he went down with the injury about 10, 12 games ago or so, Donovan was playing at an extraordinarily high level, near 30 points a game, very efficient, shooting over 40% from the three-point line, just a great all-around game, and also doing the littler things, like propelling the Jazz's transition game, which has been huge for their offense this year, playing great defense in spots when asked to, which he, at times in his career, hasn't been able to due to the offensive load that he's had to shoulder. I absolutely believe that he was playing at that level before his injury. Now, of course, we'll have to see and hope again that he can get back to that level here coming back. If he can, I think the Jazz are absolutely in a position to be one of those teams that has a great chance uh, to, to get to and perhaps even win the, uh, the championship. Yeah, you think back, Ben, to the, the early part of the season and the odds uh, in Vegas weren't really reflecting the run that the Jazz were on. It was a remarkable run, you know, winning and in the, in the, getting W's and also covering. I mean, it was insane what they were doing. And then Vegas did ultimately react, and they're, you know, one of their, you know, the third 
shortest odds to win the Western Conference. They're around 7-1 to one to win the title. The big question I have, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, is Rudy Gobert. He's going to be Defensive Player of the Year again, and he's he's such a difference maker in the paint. But I think back, I think it was two or three weeks ago, Phoenix just crushed them with mid-range jumpers. Pulled up, kind of put Rudy Gobert in a tricky spot. And we saw a couple years ago where, where Gobert even though he was defensive player of the year, was a was a liability defensively. What has he done in his game to make himself not become that defensive liability come the postseason? So I think those are very fair questions, first of all. Uh, that said, and if I may, uh, both plug myself and Please perhaps... Please <laughs> uh, Well, it's, it's, a, it's an advanced plug because it hasn't happened yet. I actually have something coming out tomorrow on a uh, prominent website, if I can say that. Uh, that is uh, specifically about Rudy Gobert uh, and about the defensive season he's having. And at one component of the piece, I won't give the whole thing away, <laughs> but one component is speaks actually pretty well to what you're talking about, at least to some degree. Uh, Gobert has put in a lot of work over the last couple seasons, three, even four seasons, as far as defending in space, being more than just a paint protector. Because frankly, he's well aware uh, I'll, I'll plug once more. There's some quotes from him even about his awareness of this. He's well aware that in the modern NBA, against the types of players and teams you're talking about, he has to be able to do that. He has to be able to be more than just standing in the paint and doing nothing else. That's what Roy Hibbert was. Roy Hibbert was out of the league by the time he's 30 because he can't move around. Gobert has done a lot of work, and the numbers do reflect it in terms of you can look at advanced data. That I don't know how much you guys would be into this sort of thing, but it's, you know, the the tracking data with the cameras that we've got, uh, you can look at that, and it, it shows you that against isolations, against closeouts, against switches, things like that, Gobert has heavily improved over the last several seasons. And he, whether that holds, of course, in the most difficult matchups, the Chris Pauls, the, if you face a Damian Lillard in the playoffs, if you face a Steph Curry, whoever the superstars are that you might face in the playoffs, that's a, that's a tougher question, right? Because superstars are super for a reason. The Jazz, of course, are banking on Gobert's made enough improvements there. Frankly, he's been one of the best isolation defenders in the NBA to this point by those numbers, by that data. Um, the Jazz are banking on all that to get them uh, to do what they needs to be done for them and to get them where they need to be. And I, I think that it's a good bet on their part, personally. Brilliant uh, segue, by the way, into the question I wanted to ask you about. You, you talked about how this fascinating of an NBA season this has been, Ben, but when you look at this Jazz team, what do you think that, that I mean, it is going to be a, you know, very interesting to see who ends up with what seeds and how, how this thing progresses, especially in the Western Conference. Is there a team or two that you think would, would scare the Jazz the most or the worst matchup for them looking on to maybe the second round of the Conference Finals? Well, shoot, I mean... <laughs> Some would certainly say that that could be in the first round if the things go wrong with the L.A. Lakers sure. here in the, uh, as far as the play-in goes. I, I'll be honest, this is something I'm, I'm obviously asked about a lot in terms of the various media that I do and whatnot. It's, uh, for me personally, and others can disagree reasonably in, in either direction, I, I think at this point right now, it's very hard for us to say, to be totally honest. It's, it's really hard for me to differentiate honestly between – I think four teams from the Jazz, and just in the Western Conference, from a Jazz perspective, those being both LA teams, the uh, Phoenix Suns, and for me, even the Denver Nuggets. Still, even without Jamal Murray, which I realize might be a stretch to some people, I just think they're playing 
fantastic, a fantastic brand of basketball. Uh, even and they have obviously the, the potential MVP here in Jokic. I'm given what we don't know about the health of the Lakers, though. Of course, we just talked about we don't know everything about the health of the Jazz either. Uh, given that, just the, the bits of uncertainty with LeBron and things like that, it's it's tough to choose between them. I would say that. Folks around here, and if you were to ask me, are certainly hoping that nothing funky goes on with the Lakers and that they don't, that, you know, you would hope if you've earned a one or a two seed for the season that fate doesn't put you in a position where you have to play the defending champions, potentially returning to full strength, of course. That I would think most around here, and even me, if you put me on, a, in on the truth serum, would say you'd want to avoid that. But really, the Jazz know they're going to have a, from as far as the second round, third round, that sort of thing, they know they're going to have a, a hard path, and they're going to be playing somebody good no matter what. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben underscore Dossett, and I'm sure, Ben, you'll be tweeting out that story when it comes out, so uh, we'll make sure to be keeping our eyes peeled. I will. Thank you so much, guys. There he is, Ben Dossett, and uh, good stuff there on the Utah Jazz. You know, for the Jazz, it, it really could work out perfectly. Now, things could be tweaked here, but as it stands right now, the other side of the bracket for the Utah Jazz... Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers, not too shabby. On no. your side of the bracket for the Utah Jazz, who I just looked up the odds here at Circa. Now, they're, they're varying. As we always say, shop around. You might find a little bit better price. They're 3-1 to one here at Circa to win the Western Conference. They, could they lose to Denver? Absolutely. Could they end up playing the Lakers in the first round? It's possible. The Lakers could, you know, Steph Curry could go for 60 or whatnot. Um, <laughs> 25 threes. But... The way the bracket is looking to break down for them, likely it's Golden State or Memphis, then it's probably Denver or Portland. Uh, Denver or Dallas. I think Dallas will probably get that five seed. Dallas could be tricky, could be scary. If they, if, like I mentioned, they're, they're, there's two, they're such an enigma, but they could be tricky. And you think about, you know, you think about Denver last year, what a series that was in the first oh, round so between Dallas and and, uh, excuse me, between Denver and Utah, no Jamal Murray. I just, I, the bracket sets up for them to get to the Western Conference Finals, likely avoiding Lakers, Clippers, and Suns. It's not going to be easy, but that Jazz team you mentioned, Ben mentioned synergy. They've got it. Quinn Snyder's coaching them. Great. Rudy Gobert, though, scares me because I just look back at that. People can take advantage of him defensively. And that's the way it all breaks down when it comes to the NFL or the NBA playoffs. I got NFL on the brain because Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, he'll join us top of the hour. It's the Nightcap on Visa. 